Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. Ouch. Another sugar-free Red Bull. Um, I'm recording at 6.07 a.m. Should I try to vary up my vocal tones? Because this is my regular voice. It's very monotone and boring. But should I, should I try to, you know, run up and down that octave? Uh, I don't know. Um, this is a bonus beat. Bonus beat number three. Or as Rebecca Lieb of Ghost Town Podcast would say, a bony, an odd drummer gaming bony. I was probably going to do Angry Birds next, the movie, only because I got a notification saying that Angry Birds is leaving Tubi soon. Tubi soon. So if I get a chance to watch it before it goes out... I'll probably do Angry Birds. Um, in this episode, I'm going to get into politics a little bit. And um, I don't like politics. I kind of hate politics. I find it boring. Um, so I completely understand if you would want to skip this. I would completely understand if you want to skip me as a person entirely, regardless of the podcast. But um, right up the top, right up at the top of this episode, I want to clear up a couple things. Uh, I'm going to clear up a couple things in an episode that has not aired yet, because I believe the next episode that of this podcast that's going to air is Tron, the original Tron from 1982. And I said some things in that episode that I want to clear up. So, A, at the tail end of the Tron episode, if my memory serves me correctly, and my memory, like I've said many times before, is always trash. Um, I don't remember anything from day to day. It's, it's, very, it's very bad, let alone from episode to episode. But... Towards the end of the Tron episode, like right at the tail end, well, towards the end, I started talking about, um, I kind of went on a positive spiel, like an inspirational spiel, spiel, and I, um, I don't usually do that, and it made me feel weird, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel positive, I don't like feeling good and positive, so I said some random things right at the tail end to bring down the mood so that everyone can be as miserable as me. So, like, right before I sign off and say thank you for listening, I said a random comment. I said, I don't think the United States likes poor black people. And I said it. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. And Edmund is faithful. I mean... And Edmund is honest 70%. Looking back, that comment was very random, but I kind of meant it to be a a foreshadowing of a future episode where I was going to talk about the Spike Lee documentary, When the Levees Broke, a Requiem in Four Parts. And 
So at the tail end of the Tron episode, it's very random. I just go, I don't think the United States likes poor black people. So you might hear that in the far future when the Earth gets so polluted that we were going to have to find a new planet to inhabit. And the only remnants of my soul is these audio archives of this podcast. You might hear that and be like, what the fuck was he talking about? It, it comes out of left field, it's very random, but just know that it's a foreshadowing of when I talk about when the levees broke. Uh, that's A. B, I believe I was looking at headlines for um, on movieweb.com, and I came across a headline, Cassandra Peterson... Um, weighs in on the Roe versus Wade um, decision on social media along with other celebrities. So I just made a quick passing cursory callous comment. I said, isn't isn't that just more crying and complaining on the internet? And, you know, the Yes, that's a careless comment. It's mean, but I, I wanted to elaborate on it. Um, first of all, n- n- I have nothing against Cassandra Peterson. Um, I've seen pictures of her as Elvira. I like her vibe. Um, she's a beautiful lady. Um, I've never seen anything with her in it. Pause. I have been watching a movie called Working Girls from 1974 in which Cassandra Peterson is in and she dances nude in it. I haven't finished the movie, but other than that, I haven't seen her in anything as Elvira, but I like her vibe. I like that she's a horror icon. I'm going to watch her... um, I know she's done a few things on Shudder. So I, I didn't mean it as any sort of personal attack on Cassandra Peterson, who will never hear this and will never hear of me ever. But I just wanted to make that clear. Second of all, I didn't click on the article, so I don't even know what her opinion was. I'm assuming she's angry. Um, I don't I don't know. I didn't click on the article. I just wanted to, this is going to be me venting. I guess every episode is me venting. I just want to make clear that I am, I am depressed. I, I, I suffer, I've suffered from depression and anxiety for 10, 15 or more years of my life. I have a very dour look upon the world. I am very negative. Some people would say I have a realistic perspective of the world. I would definitely say I have a pessimistic view of the world. I feel hopeless. That's basically my defense. So when I say a careless, callous comment like, isn't that more just complaining and crying on the internet? I don't, I don't, it's not my intention to be mean. Um, I don't mean to be callous. I just feel like there's no point in most things on this earth. I know that's not a good way to look at things. It's not a positive way. It's not, it's not great. 
but that's my perspective. I'm sorry. And immediately I saw things like there are protests for reproductive rights. And look, I get it. Um, and I am happy for all of those people who have hope and keep fighting. And I can completely acknowledge that you're doing the right thing. And I'm happy that you completely, that you're continuing to fight. I don't have any fight left in me. This world has beaten my heart and soul into the ground um, so many times that I just have no hope left. Um, that's just how I see the world, and I, I apologize, and I'm sorry. Um, so, like, I saw, I try to stay off social media for the most part, but I came across a post, um, it was a twat. It said, pay attention to all the men who aren't bothered by the news about Roe versus Wade today. And I'm just like, <clears throat> what, what, what do you, like, this is just how I see it for me, from my perspective. Like, what do you expect me to do? So you expect me to, A, sacrifice my mental health and go on social media and then pull a Ron Burgundy and be like, hey, hey, everyone. Come and look out. Come and see how angry I am. Like, is that what I'm supposed to do? Like, is that what I'm expected to do? Um, I, I don't know. And here's the thing. Uh, again, I, I would never try. Well, let me just say this. I would never try to dissuade or discourage others to be hopeful and to fight for what they believe in. Even though I feel like by saying all this, I kind of am. I would never personally do it. I would never go on. See, I'm contradicting myself and I apologize. <coughs> I would never. I should edit my coughs out. I, I, I'm sorry. I would never go up to another person and say, don't protest. Uh, don't march. I would never say that to them personally. Um, I just feel very hopeless, hopeless. And I feel like, you know, you think your voice matters in this country. But here's how I look at it. A, a lot of people, a lot of women think that the government should have no say in reproductive rights and and the bodies of women, and I support that. But And you think your voice matters, but the... Again, I'm very dumb. I'm very um, not in the know. I'm just going to refer to the Supreme Court of the United States as the highest court in the U.S. I don't know how accurate that is, but I'm just going to say it. You think your voice matters in this country, but the highest court in the United States just uh, proclaimed that you don't, that your voice does not matter. And the vote was not close. It was six to three. That's double the amount of people in the highest court of the U.S. 
disagree. Six to three, and they said, your voice doesn't matter. We're going <coughs> to... We're going to close this down. We're going to shut your voices down. And like, I just feel like you can vote all you want. You can pray. You can proclaim all you want. You can protest and scream and use your voice. But the highest court in the U.S. just said, your voice doesn't matter. Your screams, your cries don't matter. Um, I'd, I'm just hopeless, hopeless. I don't know how to fight that. Um, so that's, that's all I just, I just wanted to elaborate on my comment. Isn't that just more crying? Like, I don't mean to be so callous. I just, I have no hope left in me. Um, I I apologize for my soul on that. Um, that's all Uh, that this is the way I am. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I will be kind and nice and polite to you in other ways. I will try to support you in other ways, but I, I just have no hope left in me. I'm sorry. Um, let's move on to more cheerful subjects. When the levees broke. Actually, I'll get to that in the end because <coughs> I feel like I fucking should. Why? I'm, I apologize for when I clear my throat. I apologize, but this is a bonus beat. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. I don't know why I ex- I use that as some sort of explanation. But anyway, um, I will briefly talk about alligator. Actually, let's see if there's any um, um, news articles in news. I'm going to quickly go through my gaming news. But really, I just kind of search for um, Final Fantasy stuff. Not much news. It's still the announcements of Final Fantasy um, 7 Rebirth. Um, what's a good gaming website news? I'm just going to Google gaming news and see what pops up. I don't I don't have a website. Um, Sony reveals new line of gaming headsets and monitors for PS5 and PC. You know, after I got my PS5, I got really excited and I I purchased that head that um, wireless headphones for the PS5. I like it. It's um, it's handy. I haven't used it in a while. Um I hope anyone finds that interesting. Um, Jesus Christ, that's all that's in the news. Um, Sony is launching gaming gear aimed at PC players. Um, it's it's like that Jay what that what Jay Leno says. Slow news week, guys. Um, how was my Jay Leno impression? Overwatch fans are mourning Symmetra as Blizzard nerfs her into the ground. You know, I don't, I don't like, well, I can't say I don't like Overwatch. I don't really like um, shooters, and I especially don't like shooters in which you have to play with other people. I I wish there was a single-player mode. Um, Overwatch 2 beta kicks off with controversial mercy changes. I have no idea what that 
means some changes to Mercy hasn't won fans over. I don't know what Mercy changes there are because I don't know what Mercy originally was like. Um, PlayStation Plus free games for July 22 leaked. Let's check that out. Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. Um, I, I already have that on Switch. The Dark Pictures Man of Midan. Arcade get on. Arcade get it on. Can I say I love Armageddon? Um, I I love it. I just do. I would consider it a guilty pleasure, only because it's like, what's that guy's name? The guy who directed it. I almost said Max Bay. Michael Bay. I feel like... I I guess he kind of makes dumb movies. And I feel like I shouldn't like Armageddon as much as I do. But I do. Um, It's a disaster movie. And I just love... It's just put together really well. Um, I just love it. I just do. It's 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 really fun. I should watch that with my wife. Um, Metroid Prime games are coming to Nintendo Switch. I've never I've I tried Metroid Prime. I don't like the format. I don't like the first person thing. I know people love those movies. I just I can't get into it. I'm sorry. I I get dizzy. Something wrong with me. See, this is what I mean. Stranger Things star... Uh, I'm on movieweb.com now. Stranger Things star Maya Hawk on Roe vs. Wade getting overturned. Fuck the Supreme Court. Here's the thing. Like, I, even, I agree with her. Like, I agree with her. I just, again, I'm moving on. But I just feel feel so hopeless. So, like... Even if the whole world said, fuck the Supreme Court, I just feel like there's nothing we could do. I'm sorry. And uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't keep fighting. We shouldn't keep doing. I just, I don't know what we can do. I feel hopeless. Who's the Boss sequel finds home on Amazon's Freebie. What the fuck is Freebie? Um... That just that all that does is makes me think of Alyssa Milano from Double Dragon and that vampire movie that I watch, Embrace the Embrace of the Vampire, Embrace the Vampire's Kiss. Um, what else headlines can we talk about? Best killer food in horror movies ranked. Um. These headlines suck. Why Prehistoric Planet is a groundbreaking documentary. Um, this is fucking dead air. Uh, Minions, Rise of Gru. Projected to beat Lightyear's opening weekend haul. You know, I like, I like Disney. I like Pixar. I had no interest in Lightyear. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, 
Um, well, maybe not no interest. I have little interest in Lightyear. Um, I like Chris Evans. I like Toy Story. I, I don't know why. My brother, um, my brother was like, "You, you're not interested in Lightyear," and I'm like, "No, not really. I don't, I don't know why." I've, I'm a fan of Pixar. I, 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 I don't know why. I can't explain it. New Barbie set photos cast Will Ferrell as the movie's villain. Uh, Margot Robbie is hot. I saw a trailer for BJ Novak's movie. Um, not interested. That's all I can say. Not interested. I I think I gotta move on. Um, Hocus Pocus two won't bring back Thackeray Binks voice actor Jason Marsden. Um, I've never seen Hocus Pocus 1. I've just never seen it. I really should prepare this uh, better in advance. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a website. There's a lot of dead air. Uh, I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Harry Potter and the Wizarding World. Possible news storylines. What's... I don't know what that means. All right, next time I feel like I should click I should look on this prior to the to starting the podcast and then click on a few or at least like I need to pre- better prepare. Uh this was this is embarrassing. I should scratch this whole episode. I'm sorry. 22 minutes in Let's move on to the movie beat. I'll briefly talk about the movie Alligator. Um, I wa- I've never heard of this movie. I watched it because they reviewed it on We'll See You in Hell with Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa. Joe DeRosa. A Alligator is a 1980 American independent horror film directed by Louis Teague and written by John Sayles. Um, I had no, well, I'd never heard of the movie, but Robert Forster is in it, who is all, always a welcome presence on the screen. Robin Riker, who looked familiar. I'm not exactly sure where I've seen her before. Um, looking at her uh, filmography, um, she's done a ton of guest stars, I guess. Um, the one that I think Malcolm in the Middle, maybe, I don't know, but this episode is 2001 Malcolm in the Middle and Alligators from 1980. So that's a 2019 year difference, but she's, a she's a beautiful lady. I like this movie. Um, I don't have a ton to say. I just, I liked it because the editing was cool. It looked really, the alligator scenes looked cool. And I liked the practical effects. And it's, 
It's funny because it says the film received praise from critics for its intentional satirizing of genre cliches. But that's the thing about horror for me. Like, I I am not a big horror fan, so this movie is got praised for satirizing genre cliches. But since I'm not a horror fan and I feel like Horror has become like a snake eating its own tail at this point where I can't tell if the movie is satirizing cliches or it is just depict it is it just contains a lot of cliches, you know, like, for example, Malignant. Um, I like Malignant, but there was a lot of um, common horror tropes in it that I recognized even without having watched a ton of horror. So at this point, I'm not sure if a movie is making fun of those tropes or it's just contains a bunch of tropes. And, you know, there's like 27 scary movies and haunted house uh, parody movies. I don't know, but I like the movie. It The practical effects are fun. And... You know, I'm guessing like the 70s and 80s are a good time to watch movies with practical effects because it's like punk rock. They didn't have the computer to rely on, so they really had to be creative in portraying uh, creative scenes and being creative with scenes. Like it reminds me of like the original Superman movies that I've talked about a bunch on this podcast. And this movie has a lot of practical effects and it's fun. It's really fun. So check out Alligator. I watched The Deep End, a 2022 TV series. Um, I'd never heard of this either. So I am a big fan of the Ghost Town podcast hosted by Rebecca Lieb and Jason Horton. And I am a Patreon subscriber. And they uh, recently uh, released a bonus episode called Ghost Town v. The Deep End. So I clicked on it. I was curious what this was about. And I'd never heard of The Deep End. And it is a four-part documentary series. So I watched it. I will say... I'm always fascinated by documentaries because they're usually talking about something I had never heard of. And, you know, when a documentary focuses in on a subject, they talk about it as if it was the be-all, end-all of things that was happening in the world at that time. Like um, that Abercrombie and Fitch, they're talking about, like, this stuff was so important and like I, I was not aware of it. Or like Bad Vegan. I was like, I never heard of any of these people. And in the documentary, they're treated like they're the most important people in the world. Same thing with this documentary. I had never seen or heard of the two words, teal and swan, put together, juxtaposed like that. I had never heard of the name Teal Swan. I'd never heard of this lady. And... Similarly, this documentary treats her like she's a big deal. And she, I guess she is, but I never heard of her. Um, I, I will say 
at the start of episode two, I almost bailed because I didn't really care about anything that was happening in the dock and I didn't care about anyone in it. But I decided to keep going because I wanted to check out the Ghost Town podcast episode on it. Teal Swan, I will say, I think is easily one of the most abhorrent, uh, worst people I've ever witnessed on film. Just terrible person, I think. Just That's just my personal opinion. Um, the four-part documentary series, it's well done. But I will say it 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 is oh my gosh it injects so much artistic um, filmmaking into it that you could have told me that this was a, a fictional psychological horror drama and I would have believed it. You know, this movie almost feels similar to like a Blair Witch or a Cannibal Holocaust where it feels like fiction, but they play it out like a documentary. But it is a documentary. It's it's not fiction. It's true. And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if like all of this was fake, all of this was fictional, and they actually went the extra mile and put up a Wikipedia page for Teal Swan, and then the producers were like, yeah, let's make it real, um, let's make it real authentic. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if all of this was fake and all these characters were actors. That's how it feels. And the documentary, it plays out like a psychological drama. And it's well done, but I feel like the director of this should go into, should make a psychological drama because clearly that's what he wanted to do. It's directed by someone named John Casby. It's well done, it's fun, but at the same time, I feel like the word, the term documentary, we're blurring the lines. Like, where the where does the truth end and where does this artisticness begin you know sometimes i like a documentary just for how dry it is just give me the information just give me how dry it is but we are delving into this um, stage of documentary making where it feels performed you know a lot of documentaries you think putting a camera in front of people you're not you're not really getting the truth you're getting a warped version of the truth you're getting people performing for the camera so i don't know anyway i should probably tell you what the deep end is about but teal swan is here's the wikipedia page it is a an american four-part documentary series about the life and work of controversial spiritual influencer and author teal swan um teal swan is a spiritual influencer leader some would say she is uh, a cult-like leader some would say her movement is definitely cult-like 
Um, she would say, this is not a cult. I am a spiritual influencer. She says many times in the doc how, how much she hates the spiritual industry, the spiritual realm. I mean, she has supposedly, allegedly abilities. And, uh, you know, her depiction in this documentary is, uh, I, d I really don't like her as a person. I hate her. Um, she, she has ever she has qualities of like a Hitler. I probably shouldn't say that, but I did. She has qualities of a leader where if anyone challenges her at all, she immediately swaps it down, swats it down like a, a fly swatter. Whether it's a team member on her team or whether it's a, a follower of hers, you know, a follower early on in the documentary is like, I have resistance, I have resistance to you because I feel like you should have a mentor. You should have someone you look up to. And she's like, why the fuck should I have anyone I look up to? I am the top of this game. I don't look up to anyone because I am the top authority. Um, I don't have a mentor. I am the top. I am the best. And she keeps speaking. She keeps um, strongholding this guy until he has nothing left to say. And then she like smirks because that's all she wants. She wants to speak and she wants everyone to shut up and listen. And... You see her in meetings with her inner circle. And these are all adults, but you can you can tell in within seconds how scared of everyone everyone is of her. How everyone is tiptoeing on eggshells around her. And I just I have no I don't know how these people want to be around her because she is the exact opposite of someone I would want to be around, much less follow, much less let alone be in her inner circle. I don't I don't know. You know, she experienced some serious trauma when she was a kid. And I don't want to make light of that at all. I don't want to um, minimalize that at all. But because of that, she has turned that into a an industry for herself, which is good and fine. Uh, well, it's not good and fine, but um, she can speak um, intelligently about that subject for sure. And people resonate with that. You know, it's interesting because I feel like Rebecca Lieb and Jason Horton were actually more harsh on this documentary than I was because they delved into it um, a lot deeper than I did because they looked into it, they did some research, and I did not. So they found out that Teal Swan had a therapist for a while who was part of like a satanic something. I forget if it was a... I forget the term they used, but... I guess her therapist was part of Satanism. I apologize if that's inaccurate. But there's all these techniques that Teal Swan learned about how to 
I guess, manipulate people. And um, there's all these techniques that you can do to make people believe um, that you're helping them. But here's the thing. Like Jason Horton, Jason Horton is usually sympathetic towards most people. So like they've on their podcast, they've talked about like alien abduction stories. And I can't get into it because I... I'm very skeptical and I it sounds like a whole bunch of horse shit. And Jason Horton has in will be like he's very skeptical as well, but he believes that they believe in it. You know, so there's some truth in that. So he's usually sympathetic, but in this documentary they weren't really sympathetic at all and I, you know, I get that. But I think it's worth mentioning for me that Teal Swan, even though she seems to be a horrible person and the techniques and manipulation behind her abilities are probably fake and fictitious and terrible, there are obviously obviously a bunch of people who are who have experienced trauma and are desperate for help. And something about Teal Swan resonates with them to the point where they follow her, they watch her videos, they go to her live events, they pay a lot of money to invest in their fandom over Teal Swan. And I think there's some value in that. Um, I feel like even, even if Teal Swan is like, fake and even if it's some sort of I don't know what I'm trying to say even if it's some sort of scam or whatever there's a ton there's a ton of people that find value in her and you know they've they've experienced trauma and they're desperate for help and what if teal swan is the only one that can help them you know, even if it's fake, what if she's the only person they can find solace in, you know? What if every other path they went to, they, they're suicidal? And everything else makes them miserable. They're miserable every second of every day because of their past trauma. And this woman is their only hope. Uh, like looking outside of that, I would hope that they can find other sources of joy and happiness and solace and peace because I don't think this woman is the right choice. I think she can be dangerous, but at the same time, it is what it is. What if she's the only one that can help them? You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's kind of a tough call. It really is. Because, like I said, I think she's a terrible person. And, you know, there's a private investigator woman who's kind of a badass in this documentary. And she's like, you know, there's this non-negotiable list that you guys employ for your inner circle that's illegal. Um, there's so much about this that if it's not a cult now, it feels like it will be a cult. You know, Teal Swan is already 
employing these techniques for her inner circle where she's demanding so much like she's basically saying you can't be in a relationship you can't see your families you can't prioritize this is not a normal life you have to essentially pledge your soul to me and do my bidding this is not a normal life you can't take um leisurely vacations to go see your family like no this is it this is the long haul and that's not a reasonable ask for anyone so that's what i'm saying i think these people are so desperate for help that they're willing to do anything for this woman and you know one guy says you know i would be willing to kill someone and bury them in my backyard for this woman and um one lady refers to her like i think she's jesus which is like kind of crazy and i feel bad for blake you know at first i didn't like blake because i thought he was weird like who's this guy who's so close to her who's obsessed with her and then over the course of the documentary you can see the battle within him you can tell that he loves her i don't know why he has a a sort of unconditional love for her, which is like, I just feel bad for him because, I mean, talk about, like, it reminds me of that Friends episode where Chandler kept going, whoopa. Like, talked about, talk about being whipped by a woman who isn't even your girlfriend or your wife. He is ready to do any and all of her bidding without question. And he's not even her boyfriend. He's just her best friend that they love each other. But you just feel bad for him. And he brings her girlfriend into the mix, her his fiance and eventual wife. And at first she wanted to be a part of this circle. And then eventually she wanted out and she is so miserable. And that makes Blake miserable and... I'm happy that they got out of it. I'm so happy that they got out of it. I hope that they stay the course. I hope they stay out of it. Um, so I don't know. I, I think she's a terrifying person. I think she asks too much of the people around her. And like I said, they're terrified of her. I don't think that can... Well, I don't know if that can last, but... I feel like that's how cults start. I feel like it, it's it's a scary thing. Um, if people find, again, if people find value in what she has to say, who am I to say that they're wrong in that? Um, maybe she's a scam. Uh, I don't know. I I. I don't want her to keep getting bigger and bigger. I think that would be dangerous because she doesn't seem to be a good person. And I read I read that she I read in Wikipedia that she felt bamboozled by her depiction in the documentary. But you don't see the big ass camera in your face and the way you're speaking to others and the way you're treating others like you don't see this. I don't know. Uh, but like they said on Ghost Town Podcast, uh, she's she, I feel like she's happy with the infamy she's getting because you have them talking about it, you have me talking about it, 
I think she just wants to be talked about regardless. But this is the thing, and maybe social media isn't the cause, but it's definitely contributed to it. But when you get someone with that many followers, you you have them thinking like, I'm right. I'm right a thousand percent. I am the way. There is no other way. I am bigger than Jesus. I am more influential than the Pope. And you have people not willing to challenge her. And the people around her are scared of her. So it's like social media definitely contributes to that. It's like, well, I have two million followers. So who are you with five followers to challenge me? You're nobody. And I'm somebody because I have two million followers. Like, that's what social media does. But at the end of the day, like, come on, people. We're all equal on some level. You know, a homeless person is still a person with a a soul and a heart who breathes in oxygen just like you, who shits out shit just like you. So it's like, the, uh, social media makes um, people feel like invincible just because they get a following. It's like, come on. Come on, bitch. Sit down. Let's move on from the deep end. It's a well-done doc. I recommend it. It's interesting. Maybe your opinion will differ from mine. Um, I just thought she was a terrible person. Um, I'm, I've been watching The Staircase um, on HBO Max. I haven't finished it. I had little interest in it. I started watching it because Pat, that's my dog scratching on the goddamn carpet. Hey, Callie, scratch louder. Thanks. Um... I had no interest in it because I watched all the documentaries on the staircase. Oh, geez. Scratch scratch some more, Kelly. Bitch. Um, so I, I feel very similarly to Pat Walsh. It's like where when you have all this documentary footage, why would you want to make a fictional version of it? Like why? Why? Uh, like the story's already been told in documentary form, and that's the truth, and that's more accurate, or, you know, maybe not more accurate, because you have a lot of conjecture and speculation in it, but that's the more truthful form version rather than a fictional version. So why would you want to make a fictional version? Why would you want to watch a fictional version? But Pat talked about it, and he's like, you know, people were saying it's great, so... I started watching it, and it is great. Um, the biggest takeaway, I would say, is um, Colin Firth is incredible in it. His impression slash performance as Michael Peterson is is uncanny. It's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Like, you could put them side by side and listen to the voice, and it's crazy how accurate the voice is. Um, so I would say The Staircase is definitely worth watching for um, Colin Firth's performance alone. 
Tony Collette is great as always. Um, the only reason I can't say anything similar is because we <laughs> we don't have a thousand hours of footage of Kathleen Peterson as we do Michael Peterson. You know, spoiler alert. Because Kathleen Peterson is dead. You know, Michael Stuhlbarg, the first time I saw him was in um, Lincoln, 2012 Lincoln. And, you know, he makes an impression on you. Um, he was like, he was against the freeing of slaves and then at like at the at the last second, he decided to vote for it, and um, so he made an impression in Lincoln. And then I recently saw him. I didn't recognize him from. I mean, I didn't remember that he was in the first Doctor Strange, but I recognized him in Doc Strange in the Multiverse in Madness. He had a small part talking about his uh, cats who um, died. I guess. And here he is in the staircase. It's funny because I I remember David Rudolph and I just remember he was <laughs> skinny. He's a skinny man. And um Michael Stuhlbarg is not a skinny man. He's not fat, but like that's why I had a little trouble saying, like, this guy's supposed to be David Rudolph. But, you know, over time, I started to buy him as David Ru Rudolph. He's a very good actor. Um, I'm not a fan of Dane DeHaan. I don't know. He plays, he always plays like a young guy with some issues. That's always the performance. And I don't know, I'm not a fan. I think his performance as the Green Goblin in Amazing Spider-Man 1 or 2, I don't remember, um, was one of the worst performances I've ever witnessed on film. You know what's funny in The Staircase is that... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this cast list. Colin Firth is an English actor. Tony Collette is an Australian <laughs> actress. Um, let's go. Olivia De Jong is an Australian actress. She plays Caitlin. She's very good. Um, so Sophie Turner is an English actress. Odessa Young is an Austra Australian actress. Um, these, all these actresses, all these actors and actresses are playing an American family. Um, I have no problem with it, but it, it just, I just felt it's worth commenting because it's almost ridiculous. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> Sophie Turner, I almost didn't recognize. She looks different, but this is the first time where I really like her acting because, you know, obviously she burst onto the scene as Sansa Stark. And I never really bought her as an actress in that um, role. 
I kind of thought she was just there. And I felt the same when she was Jean Grey. She was kind of just there. But here, even though she's doing an American accent, accent, she feels very natural. And I like her. Um, I like her in this role. Rosemary DeWitt, I did not recognize her. Um, Rosemary DeWitt. I'm going to look up images because um, I remember her from like the town and um, what the fuck? She plays the blonde lady. Jesus, she looks different. Um, Candace Hunt Zamperini, Kathleen's sister. I thought she was the brunette lady. Um, what the fuck? She doesn't even look like herself. I don't know. My mind is blown. So who plays the brunette lady? Um... I can't even find her. Um, Maria Dizia is Lori Campbell. She doesn't even have a picture on her Wikipedia page. Um, I don't know this lady. Um, all right, let me get back on track. The staircase. It's good. But I recommend, you know, I, I like documentaries. I love documentaries. I like it because you get information and I feel like you you learn something. And biopics, it's that thing where you're not sure if any of these words were true, were uttered, and you're not sure if any of any of what you're watching actually happened or not. That's kind of the curse of the biopic thing. Even though, you know, I understand you have to take artistic license with it and you want to make an entertaining show or movie based on the story. You want to get the main points down, but you want to um, make it interesting and make it entertaining. That's why I like documentaries. I, I can understand people not liking documentaries. My wife's not a big fan. She finds them boring, and I get it. But I enjoy documentaries very much. Some of my favorite documentaries are... The Cove, about the dolphin slaughter in Taijin, I think, in Japan. That almost plays out like a, a thriller, but it's very good. Um, you know, Blackfish comes to mind, but I don't know if I'd ever want to watch it again. It's it's very sad. So is The Cove. So is um, A Letter to Zachary. Um it's a very, very good documentary, heartbreaking documentary, but check out, check those out. Um, there's also a documentary called, I think it's called Last Breath. That was very good. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is. Check out those documentaries. Um, Staircase is good. Check out the documentaries and then check out this miniseries if you want. Um, some other people in the cast, Patrick Schwarzenegger, which I, I've never seen him before. And, you know, 
he gives the vibe of the older brother, but I guess he's younger than Dane DeHaan. I guess that's the point because Dane DeHaan is kind of a screw up. So they're looking to the younger brother. Um, uh, check it out. Check to check, 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 check it out. Also, Pat Walsh said Parker Posey has a very small role in the series. I don't think it's a very small role. I think she she's in almost every episode and she's very good. She's doing a heavy Southern accent. And like Pat Walsh says, she's not doing her normal shtick and she's very good. Um, uh, the staircase on, I almost, it's on HBO max. Check it out. Let me click out of these tabs. Um, Rosemary DeWitt, like that blew my mind. All right, let's. My final offering for this episode is When the Levees Broke, a requiem in four acts. It's a document, it's a 2006 documentary film directed by Spike Lee about the devastation of New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, following the failure of the Levees during Hurricane Katrina. Um, I started watching this because in an episode of We'll See You in Hell, Pat started talking about Spike Lee's documentary on like COVID and 9-11, and he mentioned this documentary, which I had never heard of and never watched. So, in 2006, I was in college... And here's the thing, like, this is how I handle the news. I try not to indulge in the news too much because the news is either, at this point in 2022, it's either very sad, like a school shooting, a disaster, um, a war in Ukraine, or it's very dumb, like uh, Justin Bieber liked this other person's tweet what could this mean for the fans like i i don't it's fucking dumb so i try not to consume the news that much um i saw a headline the headline was wait this person lost how much weight like that was the headline I'm like, what the fuck are you writers doing? Um, but so I obviously had heard of Hurricane Katrina. I was aware of Hurricane Katrina. All I knew was it was a bad storm in Louisiana. That's all I knew. You know, and I didn't really know a lot about it, even though. Well, I quote-unquote lived through it. I didn't really live through it. I lived while it was happening um, in California. So I didn't really know much about it. You know, I didn't consume any of the information or any of the news. The documentary is very good. It's very heartbreaking. Um... So this is basically what happened. Oh, there's a lot to it. It's four parts. It's basically, I want to say, four hours of documentary. 
It's very well done, very well put together. A lot of information, a lot to unpack. So there was a a a, a large hurricane that was coming towards Louisiana. And, you know, the people were warned. Um, and it kept, the warnings kept getting bigger and bigger. And then finally they were like, a Category 5 hurricane is coming towards us. Mandatory evacuations need to happen. You need to leave your house. Mandatory evacuations. So the government issued, I, I apologize if I um, don't speak accurately. I'm just trying to speak freely. All right. That's the beauty of podcast. I'm trying to speak freely. I might make mistakes. Like even when saying the government forced people out of their homes. I'm sure that's accurate, but there might be better ways to, to phrase it. But the government forced people out of their homes for their own good. You know, for their lives, for the sake of their lives. And I I, I will say I will say most people um, followed instructions and left. Some decided not to, and they were like, you know, we waited out the hurricane in 1965, Hurricane Betsy, I think. We survived that, we'll survive this. But this one is like, no, they're like, this is a, this is a huge deal, um, you need to leave. So most people left the house, their houses. Keep in mind, it's not like most people have anywhere to go at that point. You know, if they told me, you know, you have to leave your house because there's a giant dog that's coming and it's going to destroy your house and eat you, I, I wouldn't know where to go. Um, I don't have a second house, a second home anywhere. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable asking family and I don't have any friends. So it's like you're asking um, probably, I don't know the number, thousands, tens of thousands of people to leave their homes because a giant storm is coming. And then they had temp temporary places where they could shack up, like um, shack up. Is that a appropriate term? I don't know. Sorry. But they went into like this football stadium and they stayed there and they're like provided a little food, I think. And then eventually, like when the storm hit the roof, a part of the roof broke and it started leaking. Um, there's like convention centers that they were able to, I mean, house is not a right word. You know, you have a blanket that you can lay on maybe. Um, but there, there are these levees, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what a levee is. Um, every time I looked it up, I, I would get more confused. But let me look up the Wikipedia page of levee. A levee, dike, embankment, flood bank, or stop bank is a structure that is usually earthen. I don't know what earthen means. And that often runs parallel to the course of a river in its floodplain or along low-lying coastlines. You know, I would have to get um, a dictionary, an encyclopedia, and a Bible and study that sentence 
for two years of my life to understand what any of those words meant. I'm just being honest. So I clicked on the word earthen and it took me to the t- Wikipedia page for soil. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't be confused by this? I'm going to look up what does earthen mean. Made of compressed earth. That doesn't help me, Google. The hillside adjacent to the earthen dam. Um, relating to or characteristic. Why does the definition make you more confused? Relating to or characteristic of the earth or material existence. That doesn't help me. What is the synonym? <laughs> What is the synonym of earthen? <sighs> Made of earth. Um, what is the opposite of earthen? <sighs> I'm about to punch myself in the face because I don't understand. Um, okay, let's just say usually earthen. It's made of earth? (sighs) Okay, this is what I understand what a levee is. It's partly made out of earth, like um, soil, dirt, whatever. But the top the top of it that that is exposed outside of the earth above the earth above the ground. I'm imagining it is made out of like concrete or something that's what it looks like and from my understanding it's it's kind of like a wall a wall that they made to prevent floods so like there's they made a wall these levees were meant to prevent the the lake um in new orleans or by new orleans from that lake from spilling into the residence and the houses. But from my understanding, they're supposed to extend 17 feet into the earth. And these levees only extended 10 feet into the earth. Um, I don't know why they didn't really give a good explanation. I think they just didn't care or it's money. Like it, they wanted to save money. So they decided to extend the levees 10 feet into the earth instead of 17 feet into the earth. And what happened is you have this Category 5 hurricane coming. um, And then all this water, huge amounts of rainfall and water come into the lake. The levees did absolutely nothing. And they just opened wide immediately. Some think that the levees were um, exploded on purpose because people heard loud bangs, people heard explosions, and that um, apparently happened before. I don't remember if it was 1927 or 1965, but they did it, apparently they did it factually before to save the rich areas and for it to intentionally damage the poor areas to save the rich areas 
Anyway, the waters fill, um, flooded into the New Orleans areas and houses were destroyed. People's lives were destroyed. Um, people died. People drowned. But really, it the most disastrous part of this disaster was not the actual disaster. It was the aftermath of this dis- this this disaster. Because I'm not going to say the government didn't know what to do. I'm saying the government didn't do what it should have done. So after the hurricane, this is what happens. You have these all these people that you told them to mandatorily evacuate their houses. And now these people are without homes. Their homes were destroyed not by any fault of their own. And now you have thousands, tens of thousands of people who have been displaced. I hope that's a correct term. They have no homes because of the hurricane. And you forced them out of their homes. So now what are you going to do about it? And for a long time, they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. They didn't provide these people with shelter, with food, with water, the basic needs of humanity. And, you know, it's a tragedy. And I don't think anyone did their best regarding this tragedy. Um, I don't think the mayor did. I don't think the governor did. I don't think the president did. I don't think the U.S. government did the best that they could in this situation. They might think they did their best. They might say that they did their best, but they didn't. Um, One thing I didn't like in this documentary is a few times some people in this documentary, they compared this disaster to 9-11. And they kept saying, and I understand, like, you know, when something, when anything happens, you tend to want to compare it to something similar i get it but i didn't like it in this documentary so they were like they kept kind of trying to minimize 9-11 to prove a point that hurricane katrina was worse and again i understand but i I didn't like it so once someone will be like 9-11 was 16 acres um, the disaster of Hurricane Katrina was like a hundred square acres. Like, um, and then I think the mayor was like, Mayor Giuliani had the help of the fire department and the police department, and um, I wasn't trying to be uh, Giuliani. And I don't feel like you have to minimize nine eleven to prove a point here. And then one guy was like. I had been through this disaster. I was there for that disaster. I was there on downtown Jakarta. They had they don't they ain't got shit on Katrina. It's like you don't have to you know, those people are suffered too, you know? You don't have to bring them into this discussion. Um so I learned a lot in this documentary it's very well done. It's very, it's a sad story. And I think, uh, 
I would assume that the worst part of it all is the mental health of people after this disaster to know, again, going back to the hopelessness, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, um, your government will fail you. I think that's the I think that's the moral of the story. And so, like, in my Tron episode, I made the comment, I don't think the U.S. likes poor black people. It's because they they did nothing for them. It's like, uh, let me, I'm going to be real with you for, well, I'm going to be real. This, this is something I'm not proud of, but I'm trying to prove a point. I don't, I don't like when, um, a homeless person or any person asks me for money. I don't think anyone likes it when anyone asks them for money. You know what I mean? When a friend asks you for money, it's like, what the fuck? Get the fuck away from you, from me. When a family member asks you for money, can I borrow 20 bucks? You're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get away from me. You know what I mean? Um, and then when a homeless person, like, I never like it. Um, you have a strange person that you don't know who is asking you for free money for for nothing for nothing in exchange and i i i understand that they're in a bad situation um they don't have any food they don't have any money they don't have any homes they are desperate i get it but at the same time like i said it is a strange person you don't know asking for money um now hurricane katrina multiply that by tens and thousands of people and i i i apologize for comparing a homeless person to the people affected by hurricane katrina but they were technically in a sense homeless because their homes were destroyed and now they don't have any food, they don't have any money, they don't have any homes, and they need help. And the government should have helped them, and they did a terrible job in helping them. You know, people were chanting in the streets, no food, no water, no homes. And, you know, there was one lady speaking at some sort of discussion. She was like, I I was a working career woman. I... I bought my house with my own money. You know, we are not beggars. Um, we're not trying to get, you know. Imagine being a... These people worked hard. They worked hard to pay for their homes, to pay for what was theirs. They lost everything. And I think the government just didn't want to help them. They didn't want to get them back on track. And they treated them like the dregs of society. They treated them like, you know, we're not going to get much from you if we help you. So we're not going to help you. And that's the thing. You hear about like, oh, there was a slight fire in Malibu. And they have already reached... Um, $500,000 on a GoFundMe page to help fix a, a broken AC unit in Malibu. You know what I mean? Or like there's a 
there was a museum in France that caught on fire and there is a billion dollars raised to help fix this museum. And, you know, I'm not saying I could do different. Like what, or maybe I could. What could I do to help these people? Like I, I can barely afford Del Taco and that is not an exaggeration. I am drowning in credit card debt, but it's not about me, folks. It's about this government failing its people time and time again. But you know what the good news is? You know what the good news is? Is that in 2020 to 2022, we had a global pandemic. And the U.S. government really stepped up and took care of its citizens. Um, And, you know, COVID came and went and there was no problems at all. And we were all fixed and cured and we're all happy citizens. No, 2022 Roe versus Wade. The government fails us time and time again. COVID destroyed us as a country. Culture is dead. Human beings are dead. Um, There is no happy ending for anyone. You know what I mean? And they they showed a montage of people in the news in this documentary of saying the refugees, the refugees. And one person was like, I'm sorry, but this did this flood wash away our citizenship as well? So refugees, I looked it up. The term refers to people who fled their country due to like war or whatever. They're people without a country. No, these are U- U.S. citizens who are in U.S. Why are they refugees? There's a lot of stuff that I think you would get angry at. There's a lot of stuff that I got angry at. Um, this one woman made me laugh. I think her name was Phyllis Montana LeBlanc. She was like, the storm was like, the storm was a huge storm, like breaking windows. It was like, what was that woman's name? Um, Bridget Fonda woman, um, the giant woman or whatever the hell she was. She she was funny in this documentary. Um, it's a rough watch, but I think it's a very important watch. And this movie came, this documentary was made in 2006. The hurricane happened in 2005. And I'm only just watching it in 2022. I think everyone should watch it. Just for the information, but um, I don't know. That's the sad thing. There's always going to be another disaster around the corner. Um, the disasters won't stop. And here, like, there was a recent school shooting that I didn't even, I couldn't tell you where it was. I couldn't tell you who the perpetrator was, how old he or she or they were. I I couldn't tell you if they shot children. I don't know if it was an elementary school, um, high school, college. I don't know how many people died. I don't know how many people were wounded. I guess my point is there's there's so many disasters that happen. It's hard to keep up. And um, I just. I forget. I, I, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. I guess my point is there's no hope. There's no hope in anything. 
um, we should all just give up now, like that Postal Service uh, album, Give Up. Um, I think that's all I got to say. Watch When the Levees Broke. There is also a follow-up documentary that Spike Lee released in 2010, If God is Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. I want to check that out also. The government... uh, That's the thing. (coughs) The government is supposed to represent us. Isn't that correct? We voted these people into office. Like, that's the whole point, right? We voted these people into office so that they can represent the needs of the people. And yet they fail us time and time again. Supreme Court failed us. Um, I don't know how voting into the Supreme Court works, but six to three, they voted. uh, Yeah, your vote, your voice doesn't matter. Your rights don't matter. We just took them away. Six to three, it wasn't close. Uh, We don't care about you. And and that's the thing. Like Some people uh, are happy about that decision. They're like, yes, we win. Conservatives are like, we win. Republicans are like, yes, finally, no more murder or whatever. It's a hopeless time. I don't think it'll ever get better. Ever. 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 I don't think it will ever get better. Ever. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, In the next episode... It might be Angry Birds. I didn't really play the game. I haven't yet watched the movie, so we'll check that out. I hope you're doing well. You know, even though I am hopeless, I I try to be nice. I try to be kind. I try to be funny. I try to be polite to, to people. Even though I am hopeless, I hope you're not hopeless. Should I lie about my hopelessness to to please others? I don't know. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing okay. Uh, I hope you're keeping your chin up because my chin is very much down. My chin is so down, it's pierced a hole into my chest and it's stabbed myself in the heart. Um, Say hi to your pets for me. Take care. Um, Take care of yourself. Self-care. If you like... no, No plugs on the bonus beat. No plugs on the bonus beat. Stay cool, stay safe. Um, I hope your pets are well and thriving. Take care of yourselves and each other. Um, Don't abandon your fucking friends. Thanks for listening. Um, I forget what my tagline is.